welcome again moms of all kinds today. I know that there's uh, adopted moms, there's grandma moms, there's uh, great mentors out here in, in the group. So again, want to thank you for, for being here today. It's a special time. We're going to do some uh, what we call child dedications. These are moments where we celebrate uh, parenting. We celebrate how not only we parent children and bring them up in faith, but also we, we, we have a support system. I think that's a big part of what being part of a church is, is having a support system, people that care. They're going to check up on you. They're going to pray for you, help you when, when you're having difficulty. And uh, what we say around here a lot is discipleship starts at home. Discipleship really starts at home. And so today is going to be a, a day that hopefully you parents out here, everybody here, I see a few of you here and there, uh, that this will be a day you remember and also a day that you see a, a, a church family supporting you, because this is not easy, and uh, we're here to help. And so discipleship, it always starts at home. It's something that we do intentionally. So the parents that are here today, uh, hey, this is, uh, this is important. This is a time where we dedicate our children to, to growing in faith and being healthy people, and we want to encourage you to do that. Moms and dads, you're the primary influence on your child. You're the primary. They're going to learn how to, to, to navigate life. They're going to learn how to have conversations. They're going to learn uh, from you. And so when they see you in the car, when they see you uh, out in public, when they see you at home, they are learning from you. And we want to help as a church family that to be a healthy thing. You're the primary spiritual influence. And so for us as a church, we want to support and encourage these parents raising kiddos today. Can I get an amen on that? We want to help you. Yeah, that's a good thing. Early on in the Bible, we, we see some of the key characters in Scripture helping train the next generation. Um, Moses did that. In fact, in the early parts of the Bible, we call it the Torah, the first, uh, first five books of the Bible. Moses says this to parents, O Israel, hear, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. The Lord, love the Lord your God with all your heart. You know this passage, right? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. And these commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Uh, talk about them when you sit at home or when you're walking along the road. These are good times to talk about them. And, and when you lie down and when you get up. So at night, in the morning, one of the things that I loved doing with, with, with our kids when, we were, when they were younger is we would do that. We would have Bible story time. And generally that would be my thing. We'd do that at night. And so I got to be the first one to walk my children through all the major stories of Scripture. And I want to encourage you parents out there and grandparents, this is a golden opportunity for you to help, help shape them and get to hear these stories. And just like Moses wrote there, the idea is we're going to impress them upon our children because someday they're going to be adults and they're going to have kiddos. And we want them to be healthy and following Jesus and, and being that kind of person. Here's what you need to know. Number, number one, there are no perfect parents. And many of us in this room can, can resonate with that. There are no perfect parents. You're going to make some mistakes, y'all. That's, that's, that's okay. Uh, and, and here's the second thing. You're, you're not alone. Raising kiddos is, 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 is tough. So we want to partner with you as a church family. Here's what I say often, and, now, and then I'll be done. And then I want to bring you guys up and pray over you. But here, here's what Jackie and I really tried to do in our marriage. And that when, when our kids were younger... We wanted to have other adults in their life that could speak the same things that we would say if, God forbid, we were ever taken out of this life. You that are raising your kiddos, you need other adults in your life. 
that would say the same sorts of things that you would say if, God forbid, you weren't on this planet anymore. So I encourage parents here with our church family, have other healthy adults in their life that can help them, give them encouragement. Because sometimes kiddos don't want to talk to their parents. And that's a great time to have another adult in their life, in your circle of influence that they can talk to when things get difficult. So there are no perfect parents, and we want to be a support system for you. Well, I want to bring up our families, and I want to pray over them. And uh, let's see, who do I got in the room? Daryl and Patricia, would you mind coming up here and praying, praying with us uh, here in a few moments? Um, and I'm trying to think, I'm scanning the crowd to find our, our other, other leadership team. A lot of people were in the first service. But uh, I want to bring up these kiddos and let you know who they are. This is, uh, this is uh, as you know, Andrew and Joe, and this is uh, little Melody, and uh, she's cute. And then we have Val and Roman here with Claire, right here. And there'll be a quiz later. And then we have, we have, we have over here, a Andrew and Bobby, and uh, their little Everett. Beautiful, beautiful. And then we have, uh, yeah, little Ben here with Christina and David. So they are a cuteness overload right now. Are you feeling the cuteness overload? Well, here's what I want to do with these wonderful families. Look, we want to help them raise their children and, uh, and be a support system. And, uh, and parents, I'm talking to you now. Here's the vow I want you to make. Will you guys seek to tell your children the stories of Scripture? Will you, you commit to help them understand who the Lord is? Will you commit uh, to, to helping them learn and grow in their faith and help them be the kind of people that God created them to be? Are you guys committed to doing that? Can we say yes? yes. That's a good thing. And the rest of us, I want to pray here. Uh, if you would go ahead from your seats or however you want to do that, if you want to just raise your hands toward this group. Uh, we want to pray over these moms and dads as they dedicate their homes and their children uh, to, to following Jesus. We want to pray over them. So, God, we come before you. We thank you for the beauty of, of, of raising children. We thank you for the gift of, of new creation every time we see a little baby. And so, Lord, we pray right now that these children would, would not only grow in faith, but they'd be the people that you've going to call them to be, to serve your kingdom, the little boys and girls that will grow up and be healthy adults. We pray for these moms and dads up here, that you would strengthen them, help them through the good days and the bad days. Uh, Lord, help them to understand that uh, you're not expecting perfection from them. You're just expecting them uh, to love and do their best, and that, Father, you cover all the gaps that they couldn't. So, Lord, would you empower them right now, and may this be a day they mark, that they dedicate their homes, their marriages, and their child raising to you, and that you would do amazing things in the lives of these children. So, Father, strengthen the parents today, and we as a church family, we lift them up to you, that you'd bless them, and that you'd help them to be the kind of people you've called them to be. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks, you guys. Give them a hand here. Listen. Uh, I know there's some gifts for you. We have some gifts. So uh, if, you, if you take them back, we've got some, some gifts for you. Just to remember this day. Gosh, that was awesome. I don't know how you beat that. Like, I don't, I don't know what to do next. I know you all are expecting a sermon from me, but the, the, the cuteness factor here was over, overwhelming. Oh, my goodness. Oh, that was awesome. Hey, glad you guys were here. Some of you I know are, are, are extended family. Welcome, welcome, welcome. It is, uh, it's cool to be able to do that every once in a while around here. We celebrate marriage. We celebrate kiddos. Okay, now I'm going to try to try to follow that up. I, as a kid, loved to go to camps. And some of you have been to some camps. Maybe as a kid, you did summer camp. That's fun. I went to a number of camps when I was a kid around here. 
there's, and some of them were Christian camps, so uh, they were kind of, you learned the Bible uh, as well. Uh, there was a camp on the coast called Wynema. I went there as a kid. There was a, a camp, uh, I think, out of Sweet Home called Koinonia. It's kind of more in the, I don't know, the mountains kind of. Enjoyed that one. I went to Camp Tadmore. That's kind of familiar to a lot of people as a kid. There's another camp down in Eugene area, I think Grove Camp I went to. And, and I loved camp partly because I grew up on a farm. And uh, I look forward to that week that I didn't have any chores to do. Can I get a witness? Anybody? Okay, you went to camp for that very reason? No. Uh, also, uh, also, there were other reasons, okay, other factors. Like, I wanted to learn spiritual stuff, sure. I wanted to learn bible stuff. That's, that's important. It was, it was a week that I didn't have homework. That, that was great. Also, there, there were cute girls. And uh, I'm not going to put those in order or anything of the factors that I like, but, I, but what I loved about camp is sometimes, especially those Christian camps, there would be just this 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 time where, for for whatever reason, I felt I felt kind of close to God. You know, maybe you've had experiences like that. Maybe you're, it was in nature. Maybe it wasn't at camp. But those moments where I just felt like God must be close by. I, I felt like God was kind of in my corner, and so I would I would go to these camps, and I would have what I've heard termed as kind of mountaintop experiences where you felt like you really grew and you were close to God and you, you felt his presence. Can I just say that? You, you felt his presence. And that's great. But then, you know, I get home from camp, you know, back to bucking hay and whatever. And uh, that mountaintop experience didn't stay with me. That uh, even though I felt so close to God there at camp, when I went back to my normal life, I didn't feel like, that was still true. I felt like maybe, maybe God wasn't as close. And, and, and I didn't feel his presence. And I don't know if you've ever had an experience like that, where, where maybe you felt really close to God, and then, then after a couple weeks you don't feel that anymore. I don't, I don't think it's bad for us, right, to want to feel God's presence. I don't, I don't think that's a bad thing. I think we want to be have, have that spiritual confirmation that God's in charge and we're not. We, we want that feeling sometimes because feelings aren't bad all the time. They can, they can be good things. We want that feeling, but sometimes I think we expect that feeling and when we don't get the feeling, we start to question whether God really exists. We start to wonder, is God really there? We had this great mountaintop experience, but now maybe he's not there. And, and so sometimes we will judge the truth about God by how we feel. And I think maybe that gets us off track. I mean, we sing songs about Jesus being close. There's that whole country song, Jesus take the wheel. Well, if he's going to be driving your car, he's got to be kind of close to you. We sing about that. We sing about Jesus being our friend. Sometimes we sing songs like that up here. We sing about this friendship of God, uh, but sometimes we don't feel him close by. And so that can start, start to, to play with our minds. It can play with our hearts. That maybe God isn't as close as we thought he was. And, and so we will start to wonder, is he there at all? Well, that's what we're going to be talking about today. And is that really who God is? Is God mainly concerned with giving you all the feels all the time? Is God really concerned with, with you just feeling his presence all the time? Or is there something else going on? Is faith bigger 
than that. That's what we're going to be leaning into today. We've been uh, in this series called Mythical Gods. And what we've been doing is trying to take down bad images of God that really aren't true. They aren't, they don't, they're not in scripture, but these are things that may be culture or things that we're told as a kid that really aren't true. Views of God that we got to stop believing in. And we, this is week three of the series. So if you missed a couple, you can kind of go back in that digital space podcast and catch up. Well, we've been talking about gods that we, we need to stop believing in. In week one, we talked about stop believing in this sort of superhero bodyguard God that, that pre- prevents anything bad from ever happening to you. We, we found that that's not a, the right God. And we, we talked about last week about vending machine God. That God just isn't up there ready to dispense uh, fruity candy to you all the time. This is a wrong view of God. And today we're going to add one more to that. We're going to talk about this best friend forever God, the touchy-feely God that's all about the feels. We're going to see that that is not the God we see revealed in Scripture. So glad you're with us. I'm Pastor Ben. If you're new with us, welcome, welcome, welcome. If you're online, hello, we see you. Glad that we could gather like this, like Christ followers all over the globe. We are gathered to lift up the name of Jesus because a couple thousand years ago, Jesus of Nazareth lived a perfect life, was born in a miraculous way, lived a perfect life, did amazing things, died on a Roman cross, but on the third day, he rose again, and that changed human history forever. And that's why we gather like this on the first day of the week. So let's pause. On the count of three, take a deep breath. Okay, one, two, three, here we go. Let it out. It's good. Let's pray. Father, you are awesome and mighty. And uh, Father, we know that uh, you love us more than we could possibly imagine. And Father, we lean in to your word that you'd reveal who you truly are. Uh, That Father, you'd help us to shed uh, sort of immature and and untrue views of who you are so that you you can really reveal who you truly are and that we could tell the story about who you truly are. So Father, uh, open our hearts and minds to what you have to say to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. In Scripture, God reveals himself in surprising ways. If you think about it, you open up the book of Genesis, the first few pages, and you're already seeing kind of an interesting portrait of who God is. I mean, first of all, we see him creating stuff. He's designing stuff, and he's creating how things work together, gravity, light, dark, water, and land, doing all these crazy things. He's a, he's a designer. And, uh, and then, probably more shocking than that for me is he, he creates humanity, and the scriptures say in his own image. So he kind of puts a God stamp on every human. And then, even more surprising, he wants to hang out with humans. We see that in the early part of scripture, that God makes our ancestors uh, humanity, and he wants to be in a relationship. He doesn't need us, but he wants to hang out. He has a friendship. We see him talking and having conversation, and he he really has this relationship with, with humans. And we, we find that, in, in, if you're familiar with the Bible, we, we see God sort of inter, intervening in spots, and he's, he's dealing with humanity, and he's trying to get humanity to, like, partner with him to do good in the world. And, and many times, uh, us humans are not so good at the partnering part, and we want to go our own way. And we see that over and over again in Scripture. But we see him involved. He's communicating, sometimes in person, one-on-one. Sometimes he's communicating through dreams and visions, uh, he's doing all kinds of direct kind of talking. And, and, and he communicates his, his friendship to us, and he's asking us to trust him. That's what we see revealed in Scripture, looking for partners so that he can do his goodwill on earth. 
And then we also see God being quite troubled when humanity decides, well, God, you're great, but we want to make these other little gods, and we're going to serve them. And then there's a tree, so we're going to bow down to the tree. We see humanity kind of rejecting who God really is and kind of making a false thing about God, and they want to worship that. And and so we see God trouble that humanity sort of taking uh, their whole God relationship in their own hands and wanting to control it by making little mini idols. And we see that happen in Scripture, and God's concerned about that because those things never lead to good places. So in short, from the beginning, we see God not only creating humans in his image, but also wanting to be in a relationship, uh, in this, this sort of friendship with humanity. I, I love the, the, the first time we see God and humans sort of interacting early in Genesis. You see God walking in the garden with some humans. Uh, with, with, uh, scripture tells us Adam's walking with God. They're like walking around in, in, in just hanging out. I don't even know what that's like. I don't know what that would be like. Have you ever thought about that? Like, God, does he take on a human form? Like, I have all these questions, you know what I mean? And it's okay to ask questions about Scripture. I have questions. When I read the beginning of the Bible, I have questions. And here's Adam walking with God. They're having a conversation. Hey, we should name some animals. It's, it's, it's an interesting interaction. Uh, and again, I have, I have lots of questions. But can you imagine, you know, Adam sitting at a party later on, uh, and, and he's talking to some friends, maybe Methuselah's there. If you're familiar with the Bible, Methuselah lived like 900-some years. I don't even know how that's possible. Again, more questions that I have. But can you imagine them sitting across each other at a party, and Methuselah saying, yeah, I've lived 900-some years, and Adam saying, well, I walk with God. So you'd win every party situation in that case. I don't know what that's like, but you see God doing that sort of thing. And then later we see God befriending people like Abraham. These are like big Bible characters, Abraham and Moses. And the scriptures say that, that, that they had this relationship with God that was, was special. It says that Enoch walked with God, another character in the Old Testament. They were having this sort of friendship with God. And even, uh, even, I don't know if you remember the book of Job, uh, that's, that's, boy, talk about a book that I have questions about. Job's a big one. Uh, have you ever read Job? Who's read Job in here? That, the book of Job in the Bible, it's crazy, isn't it? Like, you read that and you're like, what's going on here? Uh, there's this interaction toward the end with Job and God. Do you remember how this kind of ends? It, it, it's not really like, it, again, more questions. But that book ends with this conversation where God is saying, yeah, I know what's going on in your life, Job. Uh, were you around when I created this, this, this? Were you around? When, did I ask your permission? And he, he kind of has this conversation with, with Job where in one sense, yes, God is wanting to be in a relationship with Job, wanting to be that, that, that person for him, but also totally separate. Like he's trying to say, look, there's a tension here. Yes, Job, I want to talk to you as friends, but I'm God. So just be aware of this tension, Joe, that I'm God and I set the, the tone for things and my prerogative on how I created everything, but then there's also friendship. And that's really what I want to lean into a bit today is that there's a sense of, in Scripture, God wanting to be in a relationship with us and have a friendship with us. We see this in Scripture, but also he's God. So he's kind of in a different category. And so we got to be careful, right, in our culture and the way we do church and everything. Yes, Jesus is a friend, but we don't want to put him on the same level with us. That's, he's in a different category, and that's really what I want to talk about today. If you have a Bible or a device, I want you to look this up. 
because you may not believe this is really in the Bible, but I, I love this passage. Uh, Ecclesiastes, again, it, it's, it's, a, it's a, what we call a book of wisdom in the Bible. Uh, it, there, there are other books that fall in that category, like Proverbs would be one. And these are, these are uh, written for us, recorded for us, so we develop some wisdom. That's why they call them the wisdom literature. Ecclesiastes is probably one of the toughest books of the Bible to read. I would put Job in that category as well. But Ecclesiastes said there's some, some pretty heavy stuff in there. Ecclesiastes chapter 5. And I, here, here's the deal. Even if you're new to the Bible, you know Ecclesiastes. I know you do. Because there was a song in the 60s. Every season, turn, turn. Come on. Uh, you, okay, I totally hashed that song. But that, was that enough, uh, enough notes that you know that song? I don't even know who that was. The birds or something? I don't even know. But people hear this at funerals all the time. You know, there's a season for this, there's a season, that's, that's Ecclesiastes 3. So you didn't, even, you didn't even know you knew the Bible, and now, and now you, you know. A couple chapters after chapter 3, though, I want, I want you to hear this. Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verse 1 and 2. Guard your steps when you go to the house of God. To draw near to listen is better than to offer the sacrifice of fools, for they do not know what they're, that they're doing evil. Be not rash with your mouth, nor let your heart be hasty to utter a word before God. For God is in heaven, and you are on earth. Therefore, let your words be few. Have you ever heard this passage before? It's like pulling no punches here. <laughs> you know, don't go babbling on. God is, God is God. He's to be honored here. And so just be aware. Be, be in a place of honor. Uh, not, not be flippant with your words. See, there's this tension. God is holy and set apart, but he also loves us and wants to be in a relationship. But he's not overly concerned with giving us all the feels all the time. In fact, many of us memorized scripture when we were a kid. I memorized scripture in the old King James Version, and we memorized Psalm 23. And I know you know some of this, but in the middle of that psalm, it says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. God loves us and wants to be in a relationship with us, but there are moments where we may not feel him, and there are moments where we may not feel that he's next to us, but he us, promises us to never, never leave us. And, and that's important to understand. Here's the deal. When I, when I think about God, as a kid, again, I used to think all kinds of things about God that were really immature, and as I've grown in faith, I've realized that maybe God's primary concern isn't how Ben feels all the time. That his primary concern may not be my comfort. I've come to realize that the Bible really actually isn't about me. The Bible isn't about you. It's about God and his interaction with humanity and this wonderful exchange of love that he shows. It's, it's about him. Destiny is God's prerogative, not ours. And so, yes, he wants to be in a friendship with us, but he's bigger than that. He's got a bigger story to tell in your life, in my life. Look, when we see God in Scripture, sometimes he blesses, sometimes he withholds blessing. Uh, sometimes he intervenes, other times he doesn't. And I don't think he's overly concerned with how we feel about that. I know this is a weird thing to hear in a sermon, but I think God is Bigger than that. He, he has more going on that he doesn't always let us in on. He, he wants to be a friend, but he's so much more. God doesn't always act in a way that us humans demand of him. 
He's, he's not really concerned always about how we feel. I don't think God is concerned about offending you or me. I think God has bigger things that he wants to accomplish in our lives beyond just our comfort or temporary happiness. So yes, he wants to be a friend, but he is so much more than that. He's not this touchy-feely BFF God for you. He wants a friendship, but there's a tension. He's also God. And the thing is, that's good news. That's good news. We need God to be who he is, revealed in Scripture, not some false idea of who he is. We need him to be the true God. And so you might be asking, well, okay, Ben, that doesn't make sense because when you get to the, like the New Testament part of the Bible, God puts on flesh, walks among us, Jesus, and the first thing he does in his work on the planet, uh, he gets a bunch of people to follow him. Uh, he, he calls these disciples to come and follow him. And they have a friendship. Yes, okay, you're making a good case. That yes, he, he built friendships, right? So we, we see him do that. But those disciples also got real schooled in the art of this isn't just a human. There was this story in the New Testament in one of the Gospels that speaks of, and I think a couple of Gospels tell the same story, where Jesus and his friends are in a boat. Here's God in the flesh with a bunch of dudes in the boat, okay? I, I like to call them the smelly football team. They're all there in the boat, and there's a storm. And do you remember this story? Jesus is doing something. Do you remember what he's doing? He's wiped out. He's, he's like sleeping on the cushion. Uh, and, and so he, he is kind of out, and there's a storm happening, and this, I guess, it was common in the Sea of Galilee, even, even today, because how, how, how low it is, uh, not, not very high from, from the, the sea level, so there are winds that come in. There's a major thing that happens. Storm's happening. Jesus is asleep, and they wake Jesus and say, hey, Jesus, wake up. Aren't you somewhat concerned that we're going to die? Which is a very loaded question for me. That's a loaded Jesus don't you know we're going to die? I feel like there's, there's, there's more to that story. But anyway, Jesus kind of sees, hey, you guys, you, don't, you, don't you trust me? And what does he do to the storm? Talks to it. Now, I don't know about you, but that would be a pretty big game changer. I mean, it's weird that he's talking, but the fact that it worked is beyond me. What was the atmosphere on that boat like after that? Hey, they've been eating with him. Uh, you know, they know his mom. I mean, he's a good guy. He's been doing some cool stuff. He, he talks about some cool stuff. But that, when he looks at the storm and says, would you stop? And it stopped. I don't know that you recover from that. Right? Would you, what would you, what would you do? Like, how would your life be the same after that moment? And I don't think theirs was. In that moment is the tension that I'm talking about. He's their friend, but he's way more than just a friend. He is God, and he can talk to storms and stop the storm. That was pretty powerful. And what did, what did the disciples tell, like, what, what was the conversation after that? I mean, they're looking at each other going, wow, who is this guy? Because you don't do that. Now, later, he'll, he'll rise from the dead, and... Uh, that also freaked them out uh, because most of us know that you don't recover from death. And 
This was Jesus. Friend, but also God. See, God offers us this not... I'm I'm still making my case. God is is offering us a friendship, but it's not an equal friendship. You know what I mean? We're not on the same page. We're not on the same ground. He kind of steps into human history and says, I offer you friendship. So it's a non-equal sort of friendship. Right? So it's a friend, but he's not your buddy. I know that seems crazy. He's not this guy. This is a action figure from the movie Dogma. I don't encourage you to watch Dogma, but he's not your buddy. I know that seems weird on a Sunday morning to hear a sermon where I'm saying he's not your buddy. He, was, he loves you. God loves us. But he's not your BFF and your touchy-feely God. He is wholly set apart to be honored, right? He's not predominantly just your buddy. Jesus told his disciples toward the end of his ministry He said, look, you guys have been following me. I no longer call you my servants. I call you my friends. uh, Because you can carry out the work that I've called you to do. And so Jesus acknowledges the friendship. But they knew, and we need to know, that God is a friend, but he's also God. And he's worthy of praise and honor. And he's the kind of God that can tell storms to stop, and they do it. God is calling us to partner with him, to trust him, to be about the good in our world that he wants to do. He's he's looking for partners, and he's looking for friends to help him do that, but he is God, and we need to make sure we don't drop him to our level sometimes in the way we sing, the way we talk. He is holy God, and we get an honor to be in a friendship with him. We, We obey him. It's weird, you know, sometimes people will say, you know, Jesus is my friend. They'll say stuff like that. But if you think about it, I don't really have any friends that tell me to follow them. I think that would be weird. Like you have a friend, they say, well, just follow me. Like, like now or all the time? All the time. It would be weird, right? And think about it. We don't want to be in a situation where we're, we're only serving God out of duty, Right? We, want, we want a friendship. We want to know he loves us and we want to do that. as you know, Servants do, do things because they're told to do it. Friends, like, like servants bring the food, friends share the food. And that's the kind of relationship that God offers to us. But we just got to realize it's not an equal situation. Right? Am I making my case? You're like, yeah, Ben, you've belabored this point forever. And there's times where we don't feel his presence, where we don't feel that that warm fuzzy. And in those moments, he's asking us to trust him. He, the scriptures say he sticks closer than a brother. He's, he's a better, he's the best friend you'd ever have. But there are times where we're not going to necessarily feel him on the mountaintop. There's some times where we're going to be walking through the valley of the shadow of death. And we got to trust that God is good no matter what. There are times we don't feel his presence. I love how uh, toward the end of of Moses' life, he does a baton handoff to a young leader named Joshua. And this is Old Testament stuff, but uh, the nation of Israel is about to get their land finally, and Moses does a handoff to Moses does a handoff to Joshua. And God tells Joshua this before uh, moving on. He says, be strong and courageous, Joshua, for you shall go with this people into the land the Lord has sworn to their fathers to give them, and you shall put them in possession of it. It's the Lord who goes before you. He will be with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. Do not fear or be dismayed. Now, Jesus will take that phrase and echo it in the New Testament. 
In, in Hebrews chapter 13, a New Testament book, it says the same thing. Ultimately, that God would provide what we need when we need it, and that we don't need to trust in anything else but him. Uh, and, and Jesus himself said, I, I will never leave you or forsake you. He wants us to, to rely on him. Just like we rely on so many other things, he's saying, look, rely on me, trust me, and I'll, and I'll carry you through. Even when you don't necessarily feel it at the time or feel like he's your, your BFF. He's way more than a temporary feeling. And, and I guess I, 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 I'll say it this way. I think that God is way more concerned for you and I, our, our, our character, than our comfort. I think God's way more concerned about our character than our comfort. And I think he's way more interested in our holiness than just our temporary happiness. God has a bigger story here. Bigger than just how we feel in the moment. And he's calling us to trust him. Uh, that, that he's got a greater story that he wants to tell in our lives beyond just comfort or temporary happiness or giving us all the feels all the time. He wants us to trust him. Listen to this passage, and it'll, it'll kind of get a point to what I've what been trying to say. In, in Psalm 25, verse 14, it says, The friendship of the Lord is for those who fear him, and he makes known to them his covenant. We're weaving two things in that passage. His friendship... But also that term fear could also mean honor. So we're to honor him. He wants to be in a friendship with us, yes. And he's going to reveal what he wants to, for us to do in our lives. But we also honor him. Those are both true. It's a tension that we live with. Look, we can't believe in the best friend forever God, the BFF God. We can't believe in that. We've got to stop believing in that false view of who God is. Because he's a friend, but he's so much more. And it's not all determined by our feelings. And here's the only point I want to make today. You're like, finally. The only point I want to make today is this. That God loves you and me with an everlasting love no matter how we feel. In fact, do you know that before you were ever born, before you took your first breath, God already voted yes to you. He already loves you. You started this world loved. He loves us with an everlasting love no matter what we feel. And he's asking us to trust him, to continue to partner with him, to do good in the world. But he loves us with an everlasting love, no matter how we feel or how bad we think we've been. He loves us already. He voted yes for us. Look, childhood gods and views of God do not mature well. They do not mature well. We need to stop believing in these views of God that simply aren't true. And there may be people in your life that have looked at God with some of these very immature false views we need to help them see who God really is revealed in Jesus imagine letting go of those immature ideas about God so that we can see the true God and that's the one that we want to introduce people in our lives to I love what Jeremiah 31 3 says and I want to leave you with this I have loved you this is the Lord speaking I have loved you with an everlasting love therefore I have continued my faithfulness to you we are so much more loved than we possibly can imagine, even though we're more sinful than we even want to admit. We are loved with an everlasting love, no matter how we feel. God is way more interested in our character than our comfort, and he's way more interested in holiness than just temporary happiness. This is the God we believe in. I want to pray here for us, but if you are someone who's never said yes to Jesus, you've never made him your Lord and Savior, you can do that today or at least take a next step of faith. We all have a next step to take. We'd love to pray with you on that. And uh, yeah, we'd love to see you take that next step. Let's pray. Father, we thank you because you love us. 
more than we could possibly imagine. You love us with an everlasting love. And uh, Father, I pray that you would help us to realize that, yes, you, you love us and you're, you're, you're our friend, but you're also so much more. Father, help us to, to see the greater story that you're telling in our lives beyond just temporarily how we feel. And God, may we honor you by sharing who you really are with the people in our lives. And Father, may you do your work through us. And in the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.